With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Beauty's Blitz Radio right here on Apple Podcasts, ListenNotes.com, TuneIn, Player FM, and Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez, here. We have a great show today uh, in the house. We are going to have the pioneer, uh, Raksha Bethencourt uh, of the uh, Orlando Anarchy and the Orlando Phantoms. She'll be in the house here in the No Joke Football Huddle. And we're going to be talking Super Bowl 53 the most boring Super Bowl of all time, as everybody's been claiming, and probably the best defensive Super Bowl of all time. So we'll start debating that back and forth here. Uh, we should have Troy Wilson here in the house, as well as Holly Custis. Unfortunately, um, we will not have Luis Bean or Mackenzie Brooks tonight, but we will forge through at this point. So uh, Super Bowl happening. We also had, as part of Super Bowl 53, we had uh, Dr. Jen uh, Welter, uh, Adidas Camp, that was happening in conjunction with a lot of the WNFC and WFA uh, players helping out at the Adidas camp sponsored by Adidas. You can go check out the video on our Facebook page at the hub, facebook.com for success, gridiron beauties. And that's uh, Amari Hollis shared that video about the, in Atlanta. Also the surprise of all surprises, Sam Gordon shows up in the NFL 100, the NFL 100 promo ad at the end there. So shout out to uh, Sam Gordon for doing an awesome job there. And it was actually pretty cool. Uh, probably the best commercial out of the Super Bowl at this point, but uh, it was really cool done there. And of course we got to see front and center uh, uh, Tony Harris in the Toyota RAV4 promo as well. So we're going to be talking AAF week one. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, basically Super Bowl 53. Then we'll dive into our uh, in- interview with the No Joke Football Huddle, which is uh, Raksha uh, Bethencourt. And then after that, we are going to be diving into a lot of women's football news that happened this week. And we'll be diving in, and you can get the latest at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties, or you can go to Twitter at twitter.com forward slash gridiron beauty and check out the amazing ballers worldwide at our Instagram gallery at uh, gridiron beauties on Instagram. Let's bring in the uh, WNFC All-Star and also Hall of Famer in the house, Holly Custis of the Seattle Majestics. Uh, Holly, bombshell here. Uh, Sylvie uh, Abeck of the Dragon, part of the Paris of the uh, French League, is now a Seattle Majestic. Yeah, uh, very exciting news. Uh, it, you know, we have a, a few international players this year, and I think it's um, exciting. You know, uh, she's done really well overseas uh, in her league over there in France, and I'm excited to see what she can bring to the table uh, now that she's uh, over here in Seattle. 
So, Holly, is this like a kind of like what do you call that? An alert to the WNFC? Majestics looking for that Title IX Cup in Denver? Well, it's definitely more of an alert of, and I think everybody in the league um, is feeling the same way of because of the success so far with the league that we haven't even really began to play in yet, and because of the Adidas and all the, the work that's going on behind the scenes, it's making everybody feel like they have to uh, step up their game, and, and that's why I feel like that saying is actually pretty fitting. And I feel like it's more of an alert of, okay, we're trying to be more competitive, and uh, this is what we have to do to get there. All right, uh, Holly, I will equate this to the uh, the miss of the LFL. You are literally stacking the deck. <laughs> McCarran and company is stacking the deck. You got knobs coming over. You got Torres coming over. Uh, now you have Sylvie coming over. Wow. It's just, it's, Seattle is the place to be. Well, you know, it's one of those things that um, we've had a couple international players in the past, and it's been very successful and really fun for all involved. And so I'm excited uh, <clears throat> to get to work with all these uh, ladies. And and uh, you're you're right. I, I think I think at some point, the higher up that we get with uh, our sport, the more competitive it's getting, and it's a it's a win 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 for everybody involved. So if we can bring in more talent. Uh, to help us compete, then, then we're going to do it. Yeah, I can tell that. McCarron's kind of deadly. You know, he's he's eyeing. He's kind of like Belichick right now, trying to piece together all these these players. Um, I did tweet back to him and say, "What what's going on? Can't keep me in the loop or what?" But I guess you got to be hush hush. And here it is, uh, Sylvie, uh, very very uh, good quarterback for the Paris the, uh, Dragons, and obviously safety as well. Great news for the Majestics. Um, so uh, awesome bombshell there uh, for the WNFC. On top of all the other international players, you got up, up what, five players now? Up to five players, if I'm correct? I think it's five. It's either four or five. I'm even having a hard time tracking them all, um, which is a good problem to have. I think you're right. I think is it's De, up to five. Is DeGroot, is DeGroot coming over again, or is she sticking in the Aussie line? Um, I think you're probably going to have to ask uh, Scott on that one. Uh, he likes to make announcements on his own, and so I'll let him answer that question. Uh, it's probably the best okay. way to handle that one. <laughs> All righty, then. So we're good on that. So um, so we got two Aussies from Queensland so far, and we have mm-hmm. one, uh, one British and one French, yeah. and we're yeah. looking at maybe a third Aussie from – from Australia. Whoa. Correct. What's yeah, going on okay. here? Uh, you, everybody that's uh, listening right now, you watch out because Seattle apparently wants to be the WNFC team that we have to watch for. So they're going to be, the, based on this talent and what you already had on the roster, uh, I don't know, Holly, is that scary for the WNFC right now? I think it's, um, I think everybody's kind of stockpiling right now. I don't think we're the only ones I've seen. Uh, a few other teams that have made some moves, um, not only in the WNFC, but also in the WFA. You know, competition brings out the best of everybody. And I've noticed that there are people that are moving across country to different teams. And I think it's only good for the sport. So it, it's not, it's it's scary in a good way. And I, I really think that everybody else has also stopped filing. So it should be fun. 
All right. So I, all I can say is great news. When I saw breaking news uh, off the feed because I was in a meeting, and then it comes out, and there you go, uh, Sylvie's in. And so a great talent to pick up as well. Um, Tony Harris promo, Holly, that was pretty well done, uh, pretty impactful. The message was really cool. Yeah, I thought it was really exciting. It It's getting to the point now that we're having – you know, so many positive storylines, even in the, all the commercials and uh, uh, everything around the Super Bowl that were positive females in, in the sport of football. And I'm getting people, like, left and right that are messaging me. My mom even messaged me and is like, do you know that one? And What about that one? And then, like, people are, like, actually, you know, it, it's really cool. I think the more positive um, press that we can get that females can play this sport, the, the, the better. I think the commercial was well done. It was tasteful. It was exciting. And I think, you know, the more exposure that people have to our sport, the better. So it's exciting. And you can't, uh, you know, take out Sam Gordon at the end at the NFL 100. I think that was genius marketing right there at the end there. It was right before it ends. Yeah, that, pretty, uh, pretty genius. I think that I think that was the best commercial by far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. It's it's really cool because, you know, uh, when her part came up in the commercial, I almost didn't recognize her because she's, like, growing up, you know, and she looks a little bit older now. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, like, that even girl, that was really well done. That was your impression of that girl. Who's what? Oh, Gordon, yeah. Well, it took me, like, maybe a half a second because oh, I've, when I met – her, she was like really little, like eight, nine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she's growing up. Yeah, we have the we have the highlight reel of of a little baller on her Facebook. Kind of reminds me of when Sam came out and her dad put out the video. Um, it's mm-hmm. on our Facebook page. You can check it out. So she's she's killing it too. So pretty awesome. Um, so you know, pretty positive effect of there. Super Bowl, Holly. This guy disappointed. McVay didn't show up, Gurley didn't show up. And then when you start analyzing it as a football game, it really wasn't that big of a deal because Belichick did force Goff and McVay to beat him, and they couldn't. Really what it boils down to. Uh, Wade Phillips from having a touchdown. So there's the matchup there, right? So it was really a battle of defense. And a lot of people, we are so ingrained to NFL football being offensively high-powered, and all that, that we totally forget that the other side of the game also involves defense. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that were complaining that uh, the game was boring, and I I guess it is from a scoring standpoint. And you're right, I think a lot of people, because the um, game has become so offensive-minded, especially with all the rule changes, um, that this was definitely a defensive match. I think the biggest disappointment – for me, would be that uh, McVay uh, really kind of played into what the Patriots wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. I really thought that they were going to come out and establish the running game, and that would take the pressure off of Goff and get them in a rhythm. And the Patriots' defense is not very good, like, on, on paper. And I, I felt like if you were able to run the ball – it would really help you down the line, but they they kind of just gave up on it. They I, they didn't really have that many rushes, and 
<clears throat> it's one of those things that I think if they had stuck with the run early, those two to three yard gains would have turned into five or six yard gains. And if you have the best running back in in the, in the uh, game by far. I don't even care if he's like eighty percent. Like, give your guy the ball. Don't understand why they didn't do that. And I feel really bad for you. But you know, it's one of those things that sometimes Holly, when you have I didn't a young feel team, bad because, <laughs> as my other half said, you had you have an amazing kicker. That guy's awesome. That's true. That's what she said to me. That that is. She true. said Hecker you, was you your guy. He's... Hecker was your MVP. <laughs> I was like, don't make me don't go there. I said this is ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, uh, let's let's it, bring it, in Troy here. Troy, the punter, was my superstar. You know how I felt. And that's and that's a sad thing to say, especially when it comes to the Super Bowl. And I, I have to echo um, the same sentiments that I just did. It, it, it's I really thought, knowing how McVeigh is such a great innovator on offense, and he's such a great schemer. And I knew, you know, and I think everyone else knew. I mean, just you, you just know the history with, you know, Bill Belichick coach teams. And I know Brian Flores was uh, the defensive coordinator also, and he all he showed his medal really quickly. Um, and I think he launched himself on the stage also. But you know what Bill Belichick coach teams is that what he wants to do is take away your best option and make your least effective option – put it in the hands of that guy. And I felt that, you know, maybe Goff would have been, you know, once he got on that stage, he, he was, he was, he would be a little bit nervous. And he certainly was. He just, he looked erratic. He looked like, um, you know, it was a few passes that I, I, that he threw, especially in the beginning of the game where his feet wasn't set. It was one that he threw that just really stuck out in my mind. And, you know, he had he had a little bit of pressure coming on him. Easy for me to say a little bit of pressure. Um, but he's fallen to his left, and he's trying to throw, you know, the dig route. And the ball just, you know, skips, you know, hits the ground three yards in front of his receiver. And those are like, you know, uh, mechanics one-on-one. Set your feet, you know, yeah. point your feet to the target and throw the ball. And he just was not doing it in the first quarter. And I even watched the game again, and man, it was worse than I thought. I mean, it was it was really bad yeah. as far as his mechanics. And and the one thing I will say is that it looked like McVay was coaching him up, but it looked like McVay, when he was talking to him on the sideline, was being more of a psychologist and was just trying to get him, you know, in the groove. But I think. And I think you guys will agree with me on this one. I mean, we all watch football in our entire lives. To get them more comfortable, you got to start doing some quick things. And oh, yeah. I didn't really start throwing that into the fourth quarter. I mean, the Brandon Cook screens, where were those yep. in, in the beginning of the game? Where were the running back screens in the beginning of the game? I mean, he, they weren't I doing they, any of the quick things. You have to say he choked, Troy. I mean, that's the only other word I have for it. They choked. I mean, he, they couldn't. They, yeah. They couldn't get the run game. They couldn't get the field position. The, the punter gave you field position. The punter gave you a defensive advantage. And offensively, you choked. And at the end there, on the last quarter, when you throw it to Gronk, right, and he catches it, like what, at the two-yard line? It was your death wish. You're done. You're cooked. Seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
And the, the, most, the more thing that I could say is one of my buddies said, you know, there's seven minutes left, and guess what? Brady didn't have to beat you. You beat yourself. They beat themselves offensively because they didn't start anything offensively. Completely agree. I mean, completely agree. They just, I mean, they, they, it just seemed like I, it, I really, I, I know that the Patriots took away the run and the way that they, I mean, most mm-hmm. of the play calling in the NFL is predicated off of what the defense is doing, you know, and how they line up. And, and I've seen golf change the call a couple of times, but it was a lot of times where they didn't. And I liked how, you know, Tony Romo, what he iterated to, which I thought was very, mm-hmm. was a genius that, that kind of goes to McVay's genius is what they started to do was go up to the line after the 14 seconds where, you know, you don't have the play caller in your ear telling them, you know, what to do. And I thought that was brilliant. But even at yep. that point, they still weren't – they just weren't moving the football. And, and they really squandered a great opportunity because that defense, which I thought was, would have been the weak point of the Rams, because, I mean, they've been kind of up and down all season. But, man, they played their best game. They played their we best game. We talked about it, remember? We talked about it, and I said our defense yeah. would probably be the question mark. And it's the total opposite. Wow. Um, let's go. We'll talk about we'll talk we'll talk about Super Bowl after uh, we get through the interview here. So let's go into the huddle right now. Uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. You can go to Zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties. Get your stuff. Fifteen percent off. You can do uh, use the code ZazFebDeals. And if you uh, spell it out, you can go to the uh, website there and you can get it. Fifteen percent off on everything. Check it out. Get our most famous shirt of all, the Noja Football. Uh, silver and black shirt. Check it out and order it. Fifty percent off at the Zazzle.com for Sasquatch Beauties. All right, guys, let's go into the huddle. Let's talk to the talented and pioneer here, uh, the Orlando Phantoms, and that's uh, Raksha Bethencourt. Uh, how you doing today? Hey. Can you hear me? Hello. Are you there, Russia? Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you clearly. Uh, thanks for making the time Perfect. today. I really appreciate it. Uh, kind of came across your story, and I'm like, we got to talk to her, see what's going on. And uh, obviously a bonus to be a D3 champion with the Orlando Anarchy as well. So um, tell us a little bit about the journey right now, where you're at. So all for um, talking to me and reaching out. Uh, number two, right now, um, I'm actually sitting in my car, but I am playing uh, my season of 2019 with the Orlando Phantoms. We just had our first game um, on the second against the West Coast, West Coast Soldiers and won 17 to 14. Um, and we have a bye week, and then our Tampa team that we were supposed to play against the Outlaws, they folded, so we have an extra week of practices. And then we have our home game, February 23rd, and that's, um, that should be interesting because a little birdie said that I, I might be playing for sure. But, Perfect. Uh, I'm definitely in a, in, a, in a moment of trying to really focus hard on, on doing what I need to do out on the field. <laughs> now, you go into semi-pro men's right here and, and get included. You were also part of the anarchy that went to Atlanta, obviously, for the D3 championship. So what was that whole season yep. for you? Oh, the Orlando Anarchy season was amazing. Okay, like it was super random because we had a bunch of rookies. And I say rookies, but I was basically a rookie vet. You know, like I was only a vet for, a, for like that was my, my second year with, with the Anarchy. So we had a bunch of rookies and they were all so athletically talented. They just did different things. Like 
we had a runner from UF and we like a track star and we had basketball stars, like people who played basketball in college and all kinds of stuff. And we just molded like all of us together. We, we were able to mold our athletic abilities outside of football for, for football. And it turned out to work really well for us. Um, I broke my finger in our last game before um, the, I guess the playoffs. And it was in the second quarter, it was a spiral fracture. I think I got it caught in somebody's face mask and I twisted and broke it. I didn't think it was broken. I thought it was jammed. So I taped it up playing and it wasn't until the next day after, you know, after we won and everything and celebrated. Um, I went to the hospital because my finger just didn't feel right. And they're like, oh, it's really broken. So I played the rest of the season with a cast on. And it it was incredible. Like the journey was super incredible. How was Atlanta for you? Uh, winning it all, uh, basically against uh, Arkansas. So that should have been, that's a really highlight moment right there for the Anarchy. Oh, it was. I gotta say that I I cried pretty hard after the win. Like even it wasn't even like I want to say it was after we said you know, good job to everybody and did the line and then we hugged everybody like on the team on the opposing team and stuff. After that, like, as I was putting myself in the car, that's when I broke down and started crying. Because the year before that, we went to championships as well and against Arkansas. So we battled them again. But last year, we lost to them. And it was brutal because we had spent so much money out of pocket just to make it there. Like, most of us were taking cars and stuffing people in bags in it, you know. Um, and then this year when we won, we beat them. I think the score was 46 to zero and we made WFA history because nobody had won, uh, like a, a shutout like that. Yeah. And historic and was last year too. Uh, Arkansas, I think only took 12 players. So that was very, very historic in a way too. Uh, even your sacrifice, oh, yeah. but their story alone was very inspiring last year. You know, to go from, what, Arkansas to Oregon and then have to go all the way uh, to for the championship. So that was pretty awesome. But, for you sure. know, you guys punch it in this year, and that was very inspiring too because you kind of rebound from what you lost, and that was kind of a crushing loss as well, like you're saying. And, but all of a sudden you make up for it and you come back. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a really good feeling. The only game that we lost was against Tampa, and it was the second round. So we played Tampa twice. The first round we played Tampa, we beat them. And then the second round, it was that was our last game, the game that I broke my finger. They beat us. Um, but it was the last game of our season, and it, it really didn't affect us because they were Division Two, So it didn't affect the fact that we were going, uh, you know, postseason. All right. Let's bring in Holly here to pick your brain as well. And uh, so great job so far with the Phantoms. We're going to look forward to, uh, you obviously, so your homecoming. But uh, let's bring in Holly here to pick your brain. For sure. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm good. How are you, Holly? Doing good, doing good. Um, I'm glad that uh, you were able to make it onto the show. Um, and you. I just had a, a few questions for you. Um, for sure. And uh, so I know that you had some success with Orlando um, mm-hmm. and with the, uh, Anarchy. Uh, what brought yeah. about the change of going towards the, the men's side? How did that come about? What What brought it about? Yes. Um, I think it was like a personal challenge, to be honest, like that, like 
it started out as a personal challenge of like physicality, like can I do it? Um, mm-hmm. And a lot, I have a lot of teammates and coaches that kind of test on the women's team that, you know, they would tell everybody to go 75% or 80%, right? Because we're not going to hit each other super hard because we have a game soon. So they're like, okay, mm-hmm. everybody go 80%. And then they'd look over at me and my coach would be like, rock, 20%. You hear me? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because I did have to learn how to control it, but it, it got to the point where I, I was, like, frustrated. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to mm-hmm. go somewhere where my, like, 150% looks like nothing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it turns out that it doesn't look like nothing. It looks like a whole lot of something. And I outworked a bunch of dudes, and it just it started, like, snowballing from there. And I realized that I could do it. So I wanted to, I wanted to figure out what I could do with it. Mm-hmm. If I can do okay. it, what can I do with it? So, yeah. I, that's totally, totally um, awesome. I think, do you think um, when you were doing the whole, it's kind of funny that you brought up the whole 80% cause I, I had coaches that used to tell me that because I don't have an 80%. <laughs> I'm built the same right. way. I'm, um, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm either zero or 110. As I've gotten older, I, I've gotten better at controlling it. But so I, right. I totally understand where you're coming from on that. Do you think, cause I know Orlando, um, I'm not sure what your numbers were last year, but I know the year before they were, they were lower. Do you think that was a, a, a numbers thing or do you think that was a mentality thing? Well, what do you think was different between the two teams? Uh, between Phantoms and Anarchy? Correct. Okay. Well, with Anarchy, yeah, numbers is a big thing. So on a guy's team, mm-hmm. any random guy's team, for the most part, you'll have about like 60 dudes. 50 to 60 the phantoms have like upwards of 65 so we got extra depth everybody just has one job and you have like four other guys that do your job (laughs) on a woman's team you're lucky to have 25 and that makes it very Mm -hmm. difficult because we work and we're mothers or we're students and it's you know, we're doing life and most of our employers don't like us coming in with a bunch of bruises on our bodies that we don't want to explain, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, or we get weird looks. Um, so we have to practice three times as hard. So the guys practice one time a week, the women practice three times a week. But why? Because most of us don't know anything about football to begin with. Mm-hmm. And even if we get it in, in theory, like we still have to train our bodies for football. Like it's, I used to think that I was ready for football because I played soccer and I was like, oh yeah, I can run for like 45 minutes straight. It's no big deal. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Try running 150% for 10 seconds straight and then resetting and doing it again and again and again right. and then doing continuous sprints and getting hit or hitting somebody, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. hard. Um, right. But yeah, I think with the women, it's just different because we have, a lower amount of people and we don't really want to injure those people because we need them. Right. So we have to do everything kind of like half speed or, you know, three quarters of the way. And then come game day, you just have to pull it out of your butt because they say practice how you play or play how you practice. But how can you do right. that if you can't go a hundred, if you can't do that? <laughs> I, I totally understand that. Um, so far with the, with the Benz team, what has surprised you? Uh, like have the uh, has the reception of you playing on their team been pretty positive, or has there been any, any surprises? Oh, surprises in every good way you can think of. I want to mm-hmm. say 
and I hope that some of them are listening because I want to say that I have, like, they are truly, it's a brotherhood. You know, like, we all joke around, and we're adults. You know, we all have jokes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the women is no better. We have jokes, too, that you probably, our coaches kind of look at right. each other and like, okay, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's nothing. It's for stuff. But the the family, the the concept of family and the way that the organization is run, at least by Torres, it it creates that bond. And even though offense and defense go at it all the time, when it's time to come together, we pull together. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important part. And they're super protective of me, um, but mm-hmm. they don't they don't slow down on the field like they complete. I feel like they respect me. You know what I mean? So right. it's it's really special to have 64 other brothers. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear. Uh, my final yeah. question for you is I see uh, that you play outside linebacker. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> awesome. I'm also a linebacker, but on the inside. So I, I totally understand. Very cool. But yes, it's kind of, you know, if you're a linebacker, you kind of have to have a certain personality. Uh, what is yep. your favorite thing about playing that position? Oh, you get to eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've played safety, I've played defensive end, and I've played corner. Okay, I played those mm-hmm. positions when I played for the energy. I mean, you know, not all mm-hmm. the time. I played defensive end most, most of all. But mm-hmm. those those people have specific jobs to make sure that the linebackers can eat, you know what I mean? Right. Or the safety, depending on what's going on. It's to, they, they, the line makes sure that everything is, you know, up in the box and that the, the quarterback stays in the pocket. And then the, mm-hmm. the corners, they make sure that the wide receivers can't get the ball. And the safeties just kind of watch out for, like, both things. But the linebackers is the, the shark. It's the killer. It's the hunter. It's the one that's reading, reacting, and going for it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, I just really, I really, really enjoy it. You have, it's like you said, you have to have a certain kind of uh, personality or character to play linebacker, especially middle linebacker. That just lets me know that you're super ridiculously smart on the field because not everybody can be in the middle or, you know, on the inside. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, it's definitely uh, challenging, but I like it, you know, it, it's, I like that challenge. And I think that you have a similar personality where you like that challenge. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see what you do uh, with the Phantoms. And uh, uh, congratulations you. to you. I think it's definitely a big deal. And I'm, I'm rooting for you over here in Seattle. I appreciate it so much. And anytime you need anything from here from Florida, you let me know. <laughs> All right. Sounds I'm good. I'm rooting for you too. It's awesome. All right, Troy. Let's uh, let's go pick up uh, Roxa's uh, brain here. Roxa, how's it going? Oh, I'm good. How are you, Troy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So it, it, it's it, it's great mm-hmm. to hear you know a bunch of maniacs on the phone talking about hitting people and being <laughs> violent. These <laughs> things that we all. Do. I mean, you guys it's, are all maniacs. So you're you're twice a maniac. You're you're twice the maniac because you you've decided you made a cognitive choice to play linebacker, and then you also uh-huh. play linebacker with a broken appendage, and you didn't even realize it. You went completely old school. You rubbed some dirt on it. You spit on it a little bit, 
and then you just kept rocking it out there. So I got to take my hat off to you. Anytime you play linebacker and you're a toughie, I got to take my hat off to you. So congrats on that. I was Say, oh, thank you very much. No doubt, no doubt. I want to know what you know. What in your maniacal personality made you decide to play tackle football in the first place? That's what I want to know. Like, when did you get interested in playing the game of tackle football? Okay, so I'm gonna make it quick because it is a long story, but short version. Um, and don't hate me because it, it turned out to be the great one of the greatest loves of my life. Okay, I used to think football was really stupid. <gasps> I said it. Oh, That's cool. it was no terrible. way. I hate. I hated it. I hated it. I we, thought we, it was dumb. We're off our like, chairs oh. right now. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's just a bunch of big dumb dudes hitting each other, and wow. I, I couldn't even see the football most of the time. Like, I didn't know where the football was until the ref like blew the whistle and walked to it. I was like, oh, there it went. Like, I never understood what was going on. I didn't know what anything – I'm still learning what things are called or what certain plays are or, you know, like different, you know, uh, teams do different things. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, now is when I'm starting to actually understand it. But before, I was a lost duck. I was like, dude, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But I didn't understand why I was doing it or what I was doing. Like, what I was doing. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes so, sense. It makes all sense. Yeah. So I used to think it was dumb. Then um, my boyfriend was watching, you know, he, he's a big football fan, so he's watching football all the time. He watches college. He watches, uh, you know, professional. So it's on most of the time. And I used to just sit on the couch and watch it with him, even though I didn't want to, but I wanted to spend time with him. So I was like, all right, I'll do something you enjoy. And it like, I want to say two years ago, I watched something on a special team, like on a kickoff. And it blew my mind, right? And then right after it happened that it blew my mind, I looked at him and I was like, I could do that. But just like that, I was like, I can do that. And he's like, no. I was like, I can do that. I can jump like that. I can run like that. All I got to do is tackle somebody on my way down, like just truck them and just keep running. I can do it. And he's like, okay, we'll do it. And I was like, all right, cool. And I just fell asleep thinking about it. And I was like, I think I really want to do this. So the next day I spent all day looking for uh, teams, but I didn't want to play co-ed and I didn't want to play flag. I wanted to play tackle. I wanted to hit. And I found the anarchy and there was a tryout like four weeks out. I hadn't worked out in like four years because I had dedicated myself to working, going to school and being a mom. And I decided to run every single day for four weeks. I went to the tryout. I got an email that night saying that I had made the team and that's where it started. I had to learn what five yards look like. I had to teach my body that five yards is three steps. And then eventually it became so natural. I don't even think about that, but it was that kind of process. Like it was hard. And I, I just try to push myself really, really hard all the time. Play, I played football nonstop for two years. I did four seasons back to back to back to back with two of them in like overlapping by two or three weeks, just so that I could fast forward all the knowledge. Cause I'm basically like a toddler in the world of football IQ right now. And I'm just trying to like speed it up. I I, I love that story. I love it. That that's incredible. That, that's great. That, that's just a beautiful thing right there. And, and you know what? See, I'm I'm a, a huge football fan, and I remember watching when Matt Millen he started talking about playing linebacker, and what you said is exactly the same thing he said. 
Matt Miller said football is a very simple game, especially when you're playing. He said football is a very simple game, when you, especially when you're playing linebacker. Find the guy with the ball, get him to the ground. That's it. Yep. And simplify that in your mind. And, and I just, I mean, that that's that's really the, you know, the, the essence of playing linebacker and the essence of playing football. And that that's just, that's just a great thing. So you already have the mentality for it. So having the mentality for it is always the first step. After you started to get accustomed to playing the game of football, what? How did you start to transform after that part? Like, did, did you start to do more weight training? And because after that first season, I'm pretty sure you were like, "Wow, I mean, the, the pounding is a little bit different." And like you said, you coming home, you got a lot of these bruises, and you want to be even more prepared because you have the type of personality. You like, look, I want to be even more prepared next time. So, how did you start to get yourself prepared for that next season? Okay, so. For, so, it's weird. When I play on the women's team, my my body naturally sheds a lot of weight. Like, I'll go from being, like, 135 down to, like, 120, right? And it's because I do so much more cardio because I have to run more because I have to play different positions. Like, they have to use me for different things depending on who gets injured or what kind of personnel we're having. You know, so I have to train my body to be able to run for a long time and deal with it, you know? Um, but when I play with the guys, I tend to beef up. And I I purposely, which is nice, like towards the end of the season with the women, I don't have my daughter for like a month because she goes and visits my mom in Miami. And for that month, I get a gym membership and I go to the gym two to three times a day and I try to bulk up as much as possible. And that's usually when I can pick up, you know, 10 pounds in about a month or two right before the tryouts. And then the rest of the season, I just spend a lot of time, since I can't go to the gym now because I have my daughter and I work and all that kind of stuff, I do my workouts basically at work. Like my my boss will be like, oh, use the dolly to carry the boxes because I I tend to carry lots of heavy boxes at work. And I was like, nah, it's okay. I'll just pick them up by hand. And, you know, they'll see me pick up two to three boxes at a time instead of just taking one box, which is pretty heavy anyway. And they're like, why don't you just take it one at a time? I was like, listen, I can't go to the gym. So this is my workout. Or I'll do, like, push-ups when I wait for the elevator. So I'll do as many push-ups as I can fit between the time it takes for the elevator to show up. And sometimes I can get in, like, 30 or 50 of them. And I just do that repeatedly throughout the day because I take it a lot to do a bunch of different errands. So, I don't know. It's it's hard to keep the weight on, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, because you're out wetting, and you, like you said, you're doing a lot of cardio work, So and, and you have to have that time to, to try to put it in. And most of the time, we put we stack on pounds pretty easy when we start lifting weights. And if you don't have that opportunity, you have to get that opportunity. You have to create that opportunity. And right. So, yeah, like, I have a tire. I'm sorry? You said you have a tire? Yeah, like I have a, a spare tire, and I, I like, do workouts with that all the time in my backyard if I have to. Right, exactly. I love I, it. You got you to gotta, you find ways to get it done, and I, I love that. that. That's just that's incredible right there. And yeah, I mean, there's no excuse. That's why I don't, I don't let any of the guys give me any excuses or any of the chicks give me any, oh, I, I couldn't because of the – no. No, you couldn't because you didn't want to. Because when, when you want to do something, you just do it. 
Exactly. I'm, I'm with you 100% right there. And my final question, very interesting. Yeah. Because you played the women's game, you played the men's game. What did it? Yeah. Was the physicality different for you? Like when you when you you know you're tackling on on the, on the men's team and, and you're tackling on on the ladies team. Was the physicality different for you? And did you have to take a while to get accustomed to that kind of physicality? Oh, um, yes. I I will say there are a couple people on the women's team that can deliver a blow, okay? Like, great technique and will crush your spirit. Like, you're laying on the ground wishing that you (laughs) wouldn't have done that. Uh, My quarterback, Candace Hunter, she – okay, listen to this comparison, okay? She, we were doing a one-on-one drill. She's my quarterback. She's also and the punter, um, and sometimes she'll play safety if they let her. Um, and she, me, and her went up against each other. And I want to say that the weight difference isn't overly crazy. You know what I mean? Maybe what am I? Maybe like a forty, fifty pound difference, perhaps. And uh, we went up against each other. And when I didn't really know how to tackle somebody, and she gave me my first tackle, my first real tackle, and she planted her shoulder into my solar plexus, lifted me off the ground, and drove me into the ground. Oof. And I was screaming, literally screaming. I never, I never cry. I never make any noise, like none of that when I get hurt or whatever. But I was screaming. And finally, after like five minutes, I got up and I high-fived her. Because I was like, dude, that was awesome. And after that, nothing ever hurt as much, except kind of playing with the guys recently, maybe like two months ago during camp and stuff like that. Uh, somebody messed up on the line. I saw a hole. The running back saw the opportunity. I shot through it. And as soon as I made it through the line, this pulling guard that I did not see came at me and hit me. And this guy is like 260 pounds six foot four and I went flying like seven yards what's crazy is my body didn't really hurt but my hands were bruised for two weeks both of my hands completely were bruised I had a hard time stapling things at work or driving like my hands hurt so bad I don't know my body did have to get used to it you know what I mean yeah, absolutely. And, and listen, all, all of us, you know, all of us crazy linebackers, we we definitely all had that story where you <laughs> you get you feel you see that hole open up and you go on the field and you're like, oh, I got him. I'm, I'm gonna light him up. And then that pulling guard <laughs> washes right out. Oh my god, <laughs> not a good feeling, but it's a feeling that you will remember and you will always keep your head on the swivel after that. Yes, you know what? I didn't well, I didn't see it as a failure. Like, right after I got up, they're like, dude, how'd you get it? Because they, they didn't even know how I got there because nobody saw me. That's the great advantage of being so little. Once that line pops up, I can manipulate big guys left and right or hide behind them and just pop out of nowhere. Ta-da! And, and that's kind of what I did. I just kind of hopped around until I made it through the hole, and I surprised him. And he's like, where did you come from? And I was like, I don't know, man. I saw a hole, and I went through it. Like, my body did it. Like, I don't know. That, that, that's, that's, 
That's it. That's exactly how you do it. I, that's that's incredible. I love these stories, man. So that that's so dope. And I just listen, I, I I really I really enjoyed you know having this conversation with you. You are an inspiration because I I'm you know we're gonna have to play this podcast back several times because there's a lot of people out there listening that may be contemplating playing the game of football. That's ladies and men out there. And this is exactly, you know, the, the path of going through. So you are an inspiration out there. I'm sure your baby girl, she says the same thing about it. So I'm really proud. Oh, of, thank uh, you. Thank uh, you. Absolutely. And all the accomplishments you're going to, you, you have already had and you're going to have in, in the future. So thank you for having this conversation with me. I appreciate it. Not at all. It was my pleasure. I'm super grateful. Absolutely grateful to be on the show. I'm glad that you guys even care about the story. Like, it's great. I want people to do what makes them happy, and if it's football, then do football. Like, it doesn't matter what size you are or what gender you are or anything. Just go do it. And if it's not football, then do that too. Like, anything. Just be happy. So I'm really happy that you guys let me and gave me a platform to share. I really do appreciate it. Well, Rasha, uh, did you see the Sam Gordon commercial and the Tony Harris commercial? Pretty awesome. I thought that was probably the, the yes. highlight of the, the whole Super Bowl. Because apparently there's a boring uh, Super Bowl event in here. Yeah, I, uh, those were the two best commercials in my, you know, opinion. And not necessarily because of, like, that they were women and it was super great and it was, like, you know, breaking barriers and all kinds of stuff. You know, just besides all of that. If they were just really great commercials, but yes, I was really, really excited. Um, I got a bunch of calls. It was really weird. Like my dad and my mom called me, and they're like, "Oh, we saw the commercial with the you know with with that woman, and she plays football like you, you know." And I'm like, "Yeah, mom, that's Tony Harris. I told you about her the other day." Oh yeah, I saw the commercial and thought of you, and I was like, "That's awesome. I'm so glad that you associate like." <laughs> And and you know other it's a people good were moment. like, oh, did you see? Yeah, it was it was a really feel good moment. Like I was really really proud when I saw it on the TV. Insanely proud. I thought it was uh, well done. Um, Sam coming out of the NFL 100, I think that was a very awesome marketing right there at the end. That's pretty cool. Um, a lot of legends, a lot of old school legends, everybody, and then all of a sudden you got this little girl. Just oh, well, she's not little anymore. Obviously, a young lady now. Uh, yeah. Just kind of you know cool pretty cool for the nfl to honor her that way too so it was pretty cool yeah, i thought yeah, that the whole was really promo cool. was great. so tony harris oh. uh in the same line you are um sort of like you know trying to make it to on either a men's squad or an nfl roster and stuff like that but she's so passionate and she's driven and i think that's literally the message that we got from the commercial it's just like you know no different than a rav4 just durable and just going to go places, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I, uh, I thought, I thought the commercial was brilliant and I loved like at the end when she's like, I'm not a fan, you know, I'm not a fan of assumptions. I was like, yes, kill it. <laughs> that, was, oh, yeah. that was like the mic drop moment. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was really good then. Um, what did you, what do you think of all this stuff that's going on right now? And I know you're on the men's side now, but in the women's side, we got two competitive leagues now. Competition is at the highest level now coming into spring and summer here. We got the WNFC with Odessa. We got the WFA, obviously the staple league prior to that. You got WNFC with the Adidas partnership. Uh, you got Jen. Uh, Jen just got a, 
a deal, multi-year deal with a, a cleat with Adidas as part of the designer. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a, a lot of uh, positive things with impact now happening in the women's game. Oh, I think it's wonderful. You know, it's it it almost feels like a volcano getting ready to erupt. That that's what it feels like. It's you know it's going to take some time, but in the in the grand scale, like scheme of things, it's we're almost healing is going to break so hard. And when it does, I think people aren't going like I think they're going to be like, damn, I wonder why we didn't pay attention to it sooner. Because I've gotten that so many times. Like, oh, I didn't know women's football existed. Yeah, dude, it's been around since almost like the sixties. It's been, or maybe even longer, a little bit. Like it's been around for a while, and women trying to play if football. If only the NCAA like, would would have given us a lift. That's my only gripe now. It's just you know, if the NCAA would have at least done something regionally a long time ago, and we wouldn't even have that conversation, right. you know. Right, but it's always taken women's women's teams of any sport to get more to get like their own professional league uh compared to like guys right so like the guys had the nba and it took a while to get the wnba yeah well i I can tell you right now there's a lot of positives there's a lot of positives coming through now so and they're all really well i mean just just the the fact that the uh, wnfc is going in a business-minded model set is really a positive because if you go that route, yes, it's going to be a hurdle for, you know, it's not going to be instant success, but if you do it right, just like the uh, National Women's Hockey League has done, if you do it right, at some point, the big gorilla notices, just like the uh, NHL has noticed, you know, two clubs in the women's hockey game and being supported now and all that stuff. So, so there's a, there's a a point where you have to show value to somebody else Mm -hmm. to get to see it. And then once they see it, you know, just like Adidas, once they see some sort of value into it, uh, of course they're going to jump on board because it's, it's beneficial for both sides. Oh, of course, of course, and it's it's going to be. I feel like it's going to. It's overwhelming. Like I think if everything's happening so quickly, like every time I turn around, there's something new happening. Like I saw on Instagram when Jen Walter released her cleats and all that kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden, like Adidas was releasing the the promo and this and that. And then Sam Gordon coming out, and then Tony Harris, and and I saw her on CBS, and then she came out on Good Morning America, and all these different things. And I'm like, oh my God, it's happening! Like I feel like I'm in the middle of history in the making. It's ha- going to happen. It's gonna like women are finally gonna get the recognition, and you know, just most of us just play out of pure passion for the sport, which I think is super important. You know what I mean? Like we don't play for money, obviously. So we play because we absolutely love it. And that's got to have some yeah, kind of value. I think the the, the reality now is we, we have kind of a foundation starting, you know, uh, Sam setting up mm-hmm. Utah. Now we got Indiana, we got Georgia. Uh, really the next level I think has to be, you know, uh, as their goal is in Utah is to get a high school type of mentality in, in, in the sport yep. because you elevate it to high school. At some point, once it elevates to high school and it gets noticed, uh, of course, you're going to be forced to put together some sort of regional college setup. And I think that's the next mm-hmm. step in terms, of, in terms of a feeder system because that's what we're missing. We're missing oh. a feeder system. And once we get that, yeah. I think it's going to be a lot more positive. Um, so we don't have an AAF, you know, the buffer between college and the NFL yet. So technically, we're still at the bottom of the barrel down here. 
but I, I think it's all positives. Oh. Uh, international stars, I mean, we just mentioned at the top of the hour before we came on, we got a lot of international stars interested in the WNFC. We got a couple international starts going into Boston as well in the, in the WFA. So, you know, the, the fact that it's drawing so much international attention too is such a positive. Yes, agreed. I agree with you. Well, thank you for making the time today. I really appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. Uh, you're welcome to come back on board uh, anytime. And we talk basically women's football weekly. So this is the platform, the best podcast, uh, pretty much going strong for almost uh, 10 years now. So uh, we're ready. We're ready for the next break of the volcano. I can tell you right now, a lot of us <laughs> that have followed the sport, you know, since I've only followed it since 2009, but I know there's a lot of pioneers that obviously, you know, over 30 years. And this is a huge moment for, not just the sport in general, but a huge moment for pioneers and everybody that has, you know, built the foundation. We're just one step closer to us, uh, you know, hopefully getting Holly a paycheck. That's where we're at now. I agree. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's get you a paycheck. Let's all get Yeah, it might not be a lot of digits. Yes. I tell her all the time, but it, it's uh, a couple of digits wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. Yeah. And it's better okay. Than <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate again. Thank you so much, everybody, for having me on here. I would be honored to be back whenever you guys want me. And um, I hope everybody has a really great night. Thank you so much for having me. Again. Thank you. Have a great uh, week. Thank you. Uh, we'll keep tabs on you and then uh, have a great uh, season with the Phantoms. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'll keep checking in. Thanks. Have a great night. You too, baby. All right, Troy, Holly, there you go. Uh, wow, Troy and, and Holly, I couldn't bring anybody else better than to relate to you guys because apparently a legal assault is what you guys do. So there she is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, look, I enjoyed that interview, man. I enjoyed all the guests that we have coming on here. But, man, I'll I tell you, man, she, she is inspiring. She's inspiring. And I, I think the reason why it really got to me is because she's fearless. She's fearless. She had she hadn't played the game, you know, at all except what she just started playing the game two and a half years ago. She jumps right into it, you know. She's been going in the end, you know, for the last uh, few years rather, and and then she just you know jumps into the men's game. She's fearless. I always respect that uh, because listen, I I I will admit. I have a lot of trepidation. I'm the type I probably overanalyze things before I go into a venture or until I do something like that. She jumped right in there. You know, uh, she was 10 toes down from the, from the beginning. And so I can always respect that. And then she stuck it out. She stuck through it, no matter the pain, no matter all the obstacles that were, that were in front of her. I have a lot of respect for, for her and her journey. So I, I really enjoyed that interview. Holly, uh, she's on the same mindset you were, but you're on the inside and she was on the outside. So I knew right off the fact that you're going to be smiling over the phone, just the way it was. Gotta love them LBs, man. I tell you, the LBs, when they represent, they represent. And like, like you know, like Holly was saying, um, it's just a different mentality. It's a different mentality that you have to bring you know, on that field. And you have to be a little bit crazy to play that game. And, you know, she's got a little bit of crazy in there. You can hear it in her voice, you know. <laughs> and, and, and Holly has that craziness too. So, yeah, I, I knew they would also get along too. I knew they would, they would fit right in with each other. 
Yeah, you know, a little bit of crazy is what you need in football, for sure, especially at that spot, because she's right. I mean, that's basically, you know, why I really feel like linebackers are, are the heart of uh, of the team, because that's what it is. It's, it's tackling, it's hitting, and and as nice as I am off the field, on the field, it, it's it's hard to describe. It's almost like you feel... Like um, when she said shark, that's a good way of doing it. it. It's basically like you're a shark and there's blood in the water and you just have to, you have to go for it. And it's an addictive feeling. And um, so I totally, I totally get it. Is it adrenaline? That's the word that everybody uses with that position. Adrenaline. Oh, it, it's more, it's more than adrenaline um, because I've played other sports and I'll get adrenaline, you know, it, it's the feeling it's the transference of energy because if you're running back, I see where you're going. I'm filling the hole. It's that feeling that I'm transferring all of my energy through you into the ground. Like that is addictive. (laughs) I can't describe it any other way in that it's addictive. The vision I get is the Hulk. (laughs) The Hulk. (laughs) You know, the, you know, the, uh, the other addictive, uh, uh, point of that is is when you are playing, you're lining up and you see everything unfold in front of you, and it's like oh yeah, it's hard. You, you you read your keys, you know, you're reading the triangle, the, the guards and 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 the, and the quarterback and the running back. You're reading that key and you see everything unfold and you go right downhill and it's exactly where you thought it was going to be. And you end up knocking that running back out for a loss, or you cause a fumble, or you stop them in the backfield. You make the play, and it's just that that confirmation that everything that you've been doing up to that point is working, and it just makes you want to go back and work even harder, and and just get even more solid. And, and you're reading your keys, and it, it, it that exact what what Holly said is exactly right. It's an addictive thing because you you love just imposing your will on someone else and you see you look at it you look at them in their face and they know it too <laughs> that's, just the, that's just the best feeling in the world so i definitely could concur with say i portray this like you guys coming for ice cream and you're stealing it just like stealing it the eye on the ice cream and you're gonna steal it. you know what i mean it's the well, way i look at it it it's like um it, the longer I play, um, when I try to describe this to, to people who are rookies or are younger players, if you get to the – there's a certain point where you're training your, your body over and over and over again so that when you're on the field, you're not thinking, you're just reading and reacting. And when that happens, if you do it long enough, it's almost like you can – it slows down. And the game slows down, and you can see what the offense is doing even before they know what they're doing, and then you can beat them to where they're trying to go. When you have that moment, it is amazing. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. Wow. I wish I could experience that, but uh, I was on the offensive as a receiver, and that wasn't fun. So just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't fun. Uh, but she's a very, very inspiring, uh, kind of like Tony Harris, uh, sort of, you know, the same way as, as Sam Gordon. And she's, you know, very impressive to be on a, a men's team, play also tackle uh, on the women's side. That's a lot of durability and stuff. And tough, it's co- tough cookie would be the word now that uh, Troy mentioned out, tough cookie there. 
Um, but we will get her on again, I'm pretty sure, and we'll probably she's probably going to be spotlighted at some point, and she's got her home opener. Hopefully she does well there and uh, brings home a win as well. She's got two weeks to, I think, prepare, as she was saying, so it's really cool. Um, we are celebrating Black History Month at the Facebook page. So this uh, month all along, uh, we uh, got together with our networking team, and we want to spotlight uh, an African-American athlete playing women's gridiron, whether it be international or domestic. So we started the ball rolling with who else but Ashley uh, Wesnett of the D.C. Divas, our worldwide receiver. So if you want to add to it, go to the comment box, uh, link us a picture, or make a comment of one athlete that embodies uh, Black History Month in the women's game and women's gridiron. You go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Check it out there. Uh, and give us uh, your stuff and who is going to be that athlete in the comic box. It's kind of a surprise. So we're, we're looking forward to who's going to plug in some comments for us. The other thing is Twitter, uh, Facebook, going forward, as of this podcast, going forward every week, uh, you can send us a question or anything that you want us to answer on our podcast, whether it be Troy, Holly, uh, uh, Louise, uh, Mackenzie, or myself, uh, at Twitter, at Gridiron Beauty, on Facebook, at uh, Gridiron Beauties, and just go to the podcast post, right underneath the podcast post, just make a comment there, and we will try to answer as many as we can during the uh, two hours that we're here on the podcast. So, um, Holly, I know you got to bail, right? Yeah, I got to head on out, but uh, I'll see you guys next week. All right. So, uh, Troy, let's uh, finish up here where we started. Uh, Most people thought of it as the most boring Super Bowl ever. Other people said this was probably the best defensive Super Bowl that they've ever seen. Uh, given an average NFL fan, I think you go with the most boring Super Bowl ever. I have to agree with that. I was just – I mean, listen, I'm a defensive guy. I love to see defensive stuff. I'm on record saying that. Um, but, listen, when you have Tom Brady and you have – these two explosive offenses. I think everyone who anticipated the Super Bowl anticipated that it was going to be a shootout. It was going to be an offensive shootout, and it just wasn't. And, you know, it, it was a lot of disappointment. But I think the biggest disappointment, it was – I want to say it was a defensive struggle, but it looked like both teams were just making a hell of a lot of mistakes. And even Tom, even Tom Brady out there, you know, he was – I mean, I will say this. I will say it was less of Tom Brady making mistakes and was more of L.A. imposing their will on on the Patriots um, defensive – I mean, on the Patriots offensive line. Because, I mean, listen, Sue was a wrecking ball out there. He was an absolute wrecking ball. And that's the guy that we wanted to see all year, and he really turned it on in the playoffs. And, you know, at this point, I mean – most people were saying that he was a bit of a disappointment during the season, but he turned it on in the playoffs. He signed a one-year deal. The Rams are talking about bringing this guy back, and I'm pretty sure playing next to Aaron Donald, who he's got, he's gotten along with fairly well this year, I, I think that will be a great asset for, for the Rams to do that, and I think he'd be willing to take, you know, a little bit less money to do so also. So I think that's a feather in their cap also. Um, but But going back to the game, I just really think it was – it was just very underwhelming altogether. And I know, you know, guys like, you know, Trey Window, he's went off on it, you know, shut up and all of that stuff. But, listen, we are the fans. We are the consumers of the game. 
and we can go ahead and sound off on those things that we want. And the bottom line is that the product on the field was, was just, un, you know, it was underwhelming. And it's no fault of anybody else. It's not sitting there saying, oh, we got to change some rules to do it. The way that it fell. It was just a very lackluster, entertaining game. Most Super Bowls are not like that. Most Super Bowls are very, you know, have a lot of intrigue and a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of storylines. Yeah. And even some of the games that started slow ended up blowing up after a while. You know, when I was thinking sure. maybe a whole blows up in the fourth quarter and it just didn't come to fruition. It was a very boring game. I'm pretty sure Patriots fans could not care less about what the fans saying. They're happy. They're I blame the Atlanta campus. strip clubs, Troy. I blame the Atlanta strip clubs. I think this offense went down to the strip <laughs> clubs, and this is this is what the cause of it was. You know what I mean? Notorious strip clubs. Yes. <laughs> I love. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I was like, it can't be the Saints putting voodoo on us, but it, it certainly could be the Atlanta strip clubs. I, I don't know what happened hey, did there. You, did you see uh, how the Saints? We're reacting to this game oh, yeah. on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Is this the new thing now? I mean, really, is this the new thing where the team that didn't make it starts, you know, trolling, uh, you know, oh, on yeah. the outside, could have done better and all this? This happened the same thing in, in the college football playoff, you know, yep. where you know, they're watching uh, other college teams struggle, and then that team goes out and loses the bowl game. You know, teams like Georgia, they were trolling yep. Oklahoma you know, saying that we could have done better, and then they go out and they lay an egg in their bowl game. So, I mean, these this is the type of things they're going to see now, and this is a natural reaction to it. But I just really felt like this game could have been better. It just wasn't. It just didn't happen. I don't think it's any blame on anyone else. It's just the way that it felt. All I got to say is, uh, Hecker, amazing. That boy right there getting hugged, <laughs> high five, <laughs> Bro, right there. Uh, so disappointed, uh, Troy, that uh, – uh, Z guy just shanked it left. I was like, "What the hell?" Are you sit that was the, that was for me. That was the moment that I knew we just we lost. I mean, when he throws left, it's done. Did we ever get any clarification of why Todd Gurley did not play that much? Everyone has been talking about this. They've been saying, you know, I, I can Gurley? tell you right now that the guy was legitly hurt. There's just no way." that he doesn't go out there or he was reserved or something happened because it looked to me like they weren't the team that we saw in, in uh, New Orleans, and they certainly weren't the team we saw in Dallas, you know what I mean, offensively. They all looked like they were drunk. They were stunned, you know what I mean? They just looked off. And I, I felt bad for the defense. The defense holds Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to three and a half quarters of football, the three points. I mean, come on. But and that's all you can. It is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 as a Ram fan, I can just say, my D came through, the the punter came through. We're good. I, I mean, I can't say anything else. The uh, the offense, they choked. The coach, I got out coached. That's literally the bottom line. So even as a true Ram fan, I got to just be real. You know, and that's what it is. It just they just didn't did they didn't even get started. That's the sad part about it. So yeah, uh, so I guess we're going down as the worst Super Bowl participants. <laughs> it's not cool, <laughs> but it's what it is. So we have the tag now, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure every Saints uh, fan is going to tell their grandkids that. 
<laughs> so, um, Troy, are you getting excited for the AAF? We got the AAF coming up here, uh, week one. Pretty exciting. Uh, we got Coach Locust. We got Welker. Uh, we got uh, King out in Arizona. These three coaches are going to debut February 9th on CBS. So um, that's going to be pretty exciting. So week one in the uh, American, the Alliance of American Football, the kickoff is San Diego Fleet at the San Antonio Commanders. Then you got Atlanta uh, Legends uh, with um, Jen uh, Welter and then or the Orlando Apollo, and then the Memphis Express at the Birmingham um, Iron, which uh, Coach uh, Low Locust, and then the Salt Lake Stallions against the Arizona Hotshots with Jennifer King. So that's the first week of the AAF. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm excited just because, you know, I get to still continue watching football. And so, you know, especially, and we talked about this, you know, at last week, with these guys, these, these are the second chance boys. And so a lot of these guys, they get a chance to get their second chance at playing, playing professional football. And everyone is hoping that they can show enough prowess and they can make enough plays where they can possibly go to the NFL. But, you know, there are also going to be some of these guys that are going to enjoy their time playing there. And this is, you know, what their niche is going to be. And so everyone out there, the great thing is they all have an opportunity to play right now. And that's all you ever ask for for a football player. Every football player, you know, wants to have that um, – That they just want to have that opportunity. And as, as long as they have that, this is – I mean, it's going to be super exciting. So I'm definitely going to tune into it. Um, I can't wait to see how these guys play out there. I want to see – you know, um, I can't wait to see all the stories about Jim Welter when she lines up on the, on, on the outside. Uh, on the sideline, rather, it's just going to be a great time. So this is going to be great for for all the football, in my opinion. Yeah. So we get, uh, I think, week. Let me look at the schedule here. Week three, Coach Low Locus versus Jen Welter, Birmingham hosting Atlanta. That will be week uh, three, and then the Hot Shots. Let's see here, Arizona, Arizona against uh, Jennifer King against Jen Welter. That would be week. Four, hosting uh, Atlanta Legends, the Arizona Hotshots. So we got a couple weeks where we're going to see all these three coaches go to go do battle. Um, so that's pretty exciting um, in terms of you know the matchups and the games and things like that. So looking forward to that as well. Um, Atlanta Birmingham rematch uh, week eight as well. So week one once again that's on CBS. You can catch it there. San Diego at San Antonio. Atlanta at Orlando, Memphis at Birmingham, Salt Lake at Arizona. Uh, uh, McKenzie's got um, Arizona Hotshots, um, and you took the Atlanta Legends. I'm with the San Diego Fleet, and I believe Holly was taking the uh, San Antonio Commanders or the Memphis Express, given her uh, with uh, Coach Singletary. And then, obviously, Luis is taking Salt Lake Stallions. So that's pretty exciting for us to follow that and do that. Um, the other breaking news besides uh, Sylvie uh, Abeck of the uh, Paris Dragons signing with the Majestics was FFX and uh, Mexican national team wide receiver all-star Lizbeth Madragon-Leon, which we interviewed before, Troy, uh, Coach Lizbeth, who was in Lafayette, and she was the first coach to have an all-female 
uh, coaching staff. She is now, uh, courtesy of Tony Fuller, the uh, talented Tony Fuller and legend of the Austin Yellow Jackets and now of the Atlanta Phoenix and Team USA, uh, she's going to be an Atlanta Phoenix of the WNFC as well. So WNFC, man, bringing up all these international stars from everywhere. Yeah, they're starting to make a lot of noise, and you know they're getting a lot of pub, a lot of notoriety. So you know the you know the ladies that play the game of football, they play the game of tackle football. They're taking notice, and they're excited about the prospect and 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 in how they're running their business. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. It's, it's a lot of start, a lot of um, a lot of storylines are starting to build, especially with the WNFC. So we, I can't wait till they start. I, I really want to see how this pans out with this league, and I'm excited about it. All right. So Troy, uh, we have two uh, two leagues in action: Gray Iron West. The final is going to be here. It is Perth Blitz rematch of last year against the Perth Broncos. Uh, Broncos edge Rockingham Vipers. So uh, we talked about the Vipers on a two-game losing streak coming into this semifinal. And lo and behold, the uh, Rockingham Vipers lose three in a row, and they lose one of the most important games of the season, and they fall to the Perth Broncos. Yeah, it's a tough loss. And, you know, you see it starting to spiral out of control. And, man, you you hate to see those type of things. But, man, I mean, momentum is a funny thing. And and I don't know. I, I hope – I, I want to know what is actually – what it actually occurred to turn that around like that because they had so much momentum in the positive direction. And now taking on those losses like that, I mean, it's got to be disheartening for that team. And, um, you know – it's going to be hard for them going forward, especially, um, you know, with next year, because it looks like it's just way out of control for them right now. Yeah, so the uh, rematch there was supposed to be, you know, not the Broncos against the Blitz, but it is now because the Broncos come – they were 5-5 five and five on the season, 500 team, just clicking when it mattered, and now they go for the jugular. Can they beat the Perks Blitz year two? Uh, it is the Blitz going for back-to-back championships and the Broncos looking for maybe revenge in Gridiron West. So that's going to be a great final coming up here in about a week or so. And we'll have all that coverage for you uh, from our network as well, Gridiron West. The other action that's happening is overseas, uh, FIFA Spain, 999, and the 7-on-7. And we'll get that updated for you as well. You can go to FIFA.es to get the latest. So the games that happen, um, we're here uh, week two. Gigan Mariners on the 7-on-7 side, 12-6 over Saragossa Hornets. And it was uh, the LNFA 7-on-7 Black Demons, 22-0 over Habatos. And on the 9-9-9 format, it was the champion rookies kicking off their season, 20-6 versus the Pioneers. So we'll keep tabs on uh, FEFA Spain. So pretty competitive, Troy. This is a 7-on-7, 9-9-9 action, so a lot of fast football. The scores have been... Somewhat uh, a little bit lopsided so far this uh, beginning of the season, so uh, but they're starting to tighten up. And you expect that. You know, teams are starting to get better. They're starting to get accustomed and, and used to their own personnel, and you know things are starting to gel with some of these teams. So you know the gap is starting to close, and that's what you want in all your leagues. You want a little bit of parity. So you're starting to see that happening in that league as well. Kickoff in France. Uh, the um, Challenge Feminine 2019, and that uh, first game of the match was February 2nd, Molasses taking on Dragons Paris, and so uh, 
we will get you the update and the coverage. And that is the Dragons de Paris, uh, the Paris. Uh, that is uh, Sylvie um, Abeck's uh, team. Um, so uh, she's obviously now on the Majestics, but uh, still playing over there. Uh, her team is doing really well. So that was uh, Challenge Feminine, and we'll get the update there as the season goes along as well. And Molossa is obviously defending their championship. And so we'll get that updated. The other thing was BAFA women. The BAFA women uh, tournament is ongoing so far um, in double coverage. Got you covered. All wall-to-wall action and double coverage will take care of that for us. And we network with them, of course. What an amazing tournament so far. Uh, It's going into uh, March. I think for the finals here, the um, Birmingham Lions, um, they are basically own this tournament. But they are basically a lot of teams are getting better and better and better. So a great weekend of action across three tournaments taking place as, uh, as scheduled. The East uh, Kilbert Pirates earned their second win of the year, picking up a victory over the Derby Braves, while Edinburgh Wolves turned a pr- impressive win, 48-0 to against Eastlake Pirates and 28-26 to against Leeds Chargers. Uh, in the Division One South, the headline fixture saw Birmingham Lions move ahead of the pack as they took control in the second half against the London Warriors, the two teams neck and neck through the first period. Meanwhile, in Division Two, this conference just keeps getting better and better. More interesting is uh, as Cheshire Bears as well, 24-14 versus Teesside Steelers, and it was Cheshire 46-28 against Birmingham Lions B team. So the uh, scores are East Kilbert loses to Edinburgh 40-0. It was Derby losing to Leeds Charger 40-0. Edinburgh rebounding and edging uh, Leeds Chargers 28 to six in a tough defensive battle. East uh, Kilbury Pirates 21 to two over Derby in the South in Birmingham. The Lions shut out uh, Hesharo Tornadoes 56 to zero. London Warriors 28 to zero. Sandwell Steelers uh, also as well. Hesharo Tornadoes 13 to two. Sandwell Steelers. Birmingham Lions 44 27. And then in the south, Cheshire 24 to 12 uh, over Teesside, Bears 46 28, and then also Teesside Steelers 38 to 8. So, uh, so that's what's happening in uh, Baffa Women, uh, Troy. Pretty competitive. We're going into March, and everything's tightening up. A lot of the teams know each other now a lot better, and so it's going to be very neck and neck as we go towards the the finals of the Sapphire 2019 uh, tournament. Yeah, I mean, and it's the same, you know, as, as the other ladies that we just discussed. I mean, when, when you're starting to get used to your competition and you're starting to understand also your the, what's going on with your team, that's what happens. You start to get more comfortable with your competition and also with your own personnel. So um, with, with things starting to tighten up, we want to see how this is going to play off for the playoff race. I mean, you know, it's a lot of jockeying for position right now, so we'll see how it goes going forward. So week three coming up in FEFA, February 9th and February 17th in the 999 competition. Valencia Firebats taking on Barbera Rookies, the champions. And then Badalona, who has not won in three years, will be taking on Barcelona Buffs. And then week three in the seven-on-seven competition, Habatos look to rebound here versus Guillon. Guillon coming off a 12-6 victory over Zaragoza. And uh, the Habatos uh, coming off a crushing loss of 44 to 44 to 27 in week one. Then the black demons showing their might uh, within the, the two weeks that are, they've played so far, 20 to zero shutout of Habatos. 
and so uh, and then 25 to zero win against Gion. So now they place Zaragoza. So that's going to be a pretty good competition. So week three and FEFA uh, Spain, we are going to get that LNFA Femenina, and we'll get that covered uh, courtesy of La Liga Sports. So we'll have that on our Facebook page as well at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. Uh, Troy, let's talk Legends Football League since we haven't talked in a while. Uh, super team in Seattle, super team in Atlanta. We got a, a remake in Austin. We have no idea what Chicago looks like. We have no idea what uh, Temptation looks like. And unfortunately, we do have an idea of what who's going to be leading the Omaha Heart, which is Anna Garza. So Legends literally – we're looking at each conference maybe having two super teams throughout the season as we come into this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we're, we're trying to see is, is what's going to happen in Chicago. Um, how is that team, you know, going to fare going forward? There's a lot of changes uh, going on around the league, but uh, Chicago is the, is the big one for me. I mean, they've been dominating, you know, recently. And they've lost a lot of players. They lost some coaches. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting going forward, seeing how they do. And it looks Seattle coming back on the map. They're getting they're getting their horses back. I mean, last year I thought they were extremely competitive. They were a fun team to watch. You saw a lot of fire, uh, especially from the quarterback position. I mean, she, she was it was just great to watch it, watch it out there. And now I think they're going to be a more viable product and. They are looking to get back into the playoffs. They're looking to go further in the playoffs and possibly start contending for titles again. So, it's a lot of storylines coming up this year, man. I mean, people just changing teams and um, Michaelson going back up to Seattle. That's the big story, and I, I didn't think I'd see that. So, you know, this is going to be great going going up there. I want to see how you know he gets back in in, in his coaching seat and seeing how he stirs the pot. I'm pretty sure he's pretty motivated to show that, you know, what he can do up there again. And he's just chomping at the bit to see uh, see if we can get this thing chopped up again. So you have, uh, Troy, you got Seattle, Michelson, Oliveira, and Austin, Texas. You got the Matheny in Seattle taking on Michelle Angel and Austin, literally the marquee matchup for the season. And then we have no idea what the Temptation or Denver looks like right now. So we'll see when the final rosters come out. Uh, in the other side on the East Coast, we have the super team. Pretty much, you, you want to say this is Dane Robinson's year if he really wants to make a statement into the Legends Cup and win it because he's got Dakota Hughes coming back, Dino Wojowski coming back, Lauren Ziegler. You add Lelani Lopez on the other side, Michelle Marshall on the running game, uh, Megan Martinez coming over as well. Um, you got no Chicago really as a factor that we know of yet. Uh, the Knights literally just you know moved to, to Seattle. There's some pieces of defense there, but no offensive. We have no, no idea who their quarterback's going to be and how Danica's going to handle that. Uh, Omaha has Anna Garza, and they're going to put Jacqueline Good back on defense. So the East Coast, it's really based on the pieces that Atlanta has added. They shouldn't have a problem muscling through and getting into the final, but we've seen Atlanta kind of falter. Yeah, and that's again, that's you know, that's one of the storylines that hasn't changed over the past few years is that Atlanta has figured a way to steam out before you know the end of the year, pun intended. So it's you know, are they going to be able to get over the hump? And I think with Chicago conceivably being a little bit down this year, 
maybe this is their year. Maybe this is the time where they can go ahead and vault themselves up uh, to the top and they can contend for a title spot. And I think right now they know that as well. And this is prime position for them to go ahead and take take the mantle as the championships in the Eastern Division. Uh, but they have to do it. And let's be honest, I mean, the past few years, as, as, as talented a squad as they've had, they just have not – they just have flat out not gotten it done. And you wonder why. It's just, you know, they just couldn't finish. And, you know, you got Lauren Ziegler, huge. You know, she's she's going to be huge, um, you know, playing a wide receiver position. But I think we all know what the, what the big news is, that Dakota Hughes is coming back. She initially was going to retire. She's coming back now. That's a huge boost for Atlanta. So I think really they should be considered the favorites at this point. I know, you know, there's another horse lurking in that division. Um, But I think overall, I think Atlanta should be the favorite team right now going forward, I would say, uh, despite all the talent that they have over in Nashville. Is the West Coast, Troy, at this point, since we're talking about it prematurely, you think the West Coast is going to be the, uh, you know, the noticeable side to, to work with in terms of a fan? Like, watch out for it, because if, you, if L.A. somewhat elevates to a decent state, you are going to have a three-headed monster once again in, on, on the West Coast. And that's what you want. You want a little bit of parity. And not to mention, you know, as you said, we haven't said much about Denver, and we don't know what they've done. Uh, and maybe they have they made some improvements. Um, to the personnel that they've already had down there. But it'd be great if you can have L.A., Seattle, and Austin uh, be viable players and, and, and kind of sharpen each other up um, because the, it, it's going to be a tough ride over on that side, uh, especially with Seattle. And you got Michelson over there. He's, he's, he's getting back at the helm. And I think they really need a little bit of stability at that position. I think, that, you know, the coaching was a little bit erratic last year. <laughs> It was a lot. It was a lot of things that were being spewed out there, and kind of you know losing their cool a little bit. And I think Michaelson will be uh, more of a galvanizing force for that team. All right, uh, Legends Football League announces 10th anniversary magazine that's going to be pulling out in March. So that's what the announcement was on this week that they're going to have a 10th anniversary magazine, one of a kind collectible. So I'll get to your copy, Troy. Okay. So when we get it out there as well. Um, so I will retract the uh, last, uh, I think one of the uh, followers had told us that we did not have an uh, African-American black uh, player at the LFL shop, which we are stand corrected. There was Christian Morrison was one of the players uh, on one of the shirts out there being sold. So we, uh, you know, we stand corrected on that from the information that was given to us, obviously not correct. And so, uh, the LFL shop is um, now up and running. It's, it's uh, by Shopify. So, Troy, what did you think? Impressed, not impressed? What did you think of the shop? Oh, very impressed. Very impressed. I thought they should have, you know, had a, had a way for them to, you know, buy apparel a long time ago. But it's, it's, I'm glad that they finally got it done. And I think they will. It would be a, um, I think it'll be a lot of people out there buying the product. I mean, because the stuff that they have on there looks awesome. And at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. You want to wear, you know, really you know, uh, nice apparel. And I think that what they've done is a great job of, um, and the shop, the shop, the online shop is easy to navigate through. There's a lot of great stuff on there. So I think it would be a hit for them. And and, and it just helps with the exposure of the game. This is all about exposure. 
And um, I think the LFL is doing a heck of a job right now of putting their product out there. Of course, there are things that they could do better, but I think overall they're moving in the right direction. Well, I was happy to hear um, each player gets a code. And if they, uh, you, you know, any fan links it from their code, the player is going to get compensated for some of the uh, sales that obviously are generated at the shop. So that's a step in the right direction to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, you still have a portion of it that, that goes to revenue sharing. And I think that, you know, you, you, you want to go ahead and reward players for being great and for being, um, you know, for, for flying the flag for your league. The best players are the ones that people are going to kind of that they're going to uh, navigate to and be attracted to, and but at the same time you still have to you know man the league out there, and I think the revenue sharing portion of that is just a great idea. But you're right to reward the player for you know excellent on-field uh, play and giving them a share of the profits. I think that's that was paramount to it, and it's a great thing that they've done on that on that end. All right, so um, I'll use Coach Hack's um, analogy when we interviewed him. The perverts have won, quote-unquote, right? <laughs> so the 2019 uniform that was unveiled this weekend is no different than the 2009 uniform, uh, or I'm sorry, the 2014, I think, or 13 uniform, which was the one that they took, you know, the, the little uh, leaflets off the uh, bikini tops. So technically it's the same uniform that we've had for the last three years um, when the leggings completely gone away. So I don't know if this is uh, the owner's way of 10th anniversary and saluting how it started all. I don't know if the promotion, if I'm on point with that. Uh, But at this point, that's the only way I can look at it is he's reintroducing the, uh, you know, legends football league uniform when it was converted to legends from lingerie. And basically, it's the 10th anniversary uni. Uh, just, I don't know. It was a downer, Troy. That's all I'm saying. It's a hype for the uniform. You're expecting maybe an alteration or something different. And all of a sudden, we get the same uni that was, what, 24 months ago or 48 months ago. So is this going to be an alternate uniform, or are they going to play in this uniform the entire season? From what I hear, this is the uniform. So we're... Back to turf burns and everything else, I guess. <laughs> You're gonna get from that. So uh, I guess that, Hack that, was right so far. Yeah, the perfers have won. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Quote unquote. <laughs> that was a great line. That was a great line. So I'm just gonna say what I what he said. Uh, that was his words, not mine. Um, but technically, that's what it was. And so. Uh, we hope that, you know, next year it changes or something different is done to the uni. Uh, a positive step is obviously the shop. Positive step, we have to give them credit, is if the player has a code link, they obviously get some compensation from uh, contributing to the sales at the shop. So that's, a, I guess, a plus in a way. But, you know, it's kind of disappointing, I guess, when you retract from going from the full leggings now to no leggings. So I guess that's just, you know, it's something that we have to work on still. Yeah, I mean, but just as you said, man, just from a functionality standpoint, I mean, geez, the, the rug, the, the, those carpet burns are not fun, man. They are not fun. So hopefully they can do something to curb that, man. I mean, at least that. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of players did like those, the bottoms. They just thought they should have been uh, manufactured with 
you know, a name brand manufacturer that obviously was more durable quality and everything else. But we'll see how that turns out at this point. So we're going with the traditional outfit uh, when Legends Football League uh, rebranded and launched. So for the 10th anniversary season coming up here in uh, 2019. So uh, Troy, a uh, lot of stuff happening in the women's game. Uh, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward beauties. And obviously, if you're not there yet, you should be there every week. Uh, we want to thank everybody that's gone there. Our reach has been amazing. There's a, a lot of articles that we share from a lot of our network partners. A lot of hard work goes into it to keep it viable and fresh. Um, and a lot of hours that are man hours. Uh, obviously, you know, we would love to get paid, but we don't get paid. So, uh, but we do our part as well. And so I, I want everybody to go there, kind of share our products, share our links, kind of spread the word about women's American football and it's played at a high level. Um, there are amazing talents all over the globe as well. And that's what we do. We cover it. There's seasons coming up here. Lexfa coming up in Mexico, FX Mexico coming up. We got the full blown WFA, WFA profootball.com. If you want to be on a, on a WFA uh, team, WNFCfootball.com if you want to be on the WNFC team. The XXFL in Texas launched this past weekend as well. Uh, we're going to be covering it wall-to-wall. And up, up north, uh, coming up in May, we have the, the Western Women's Canadian Football League as well. The Maritime launches up north. We also have a lot of leagues coming up uh, overseas uh, as well. Germany, uh, we will have this uh, Finland, Sweden, all those leagues coming up. So we are going to be covering it wall-to-wall as well as the Sapphire Series continues here in March. So, Troy, whirlwind. It is a growth summer, and it's coming up really quick. We're almost at 60 days to uh, full-blown women's full kit, everything happening in the U.S. as well as international. As Jay-Z said, it's the takeover, and the wait is over. Let's go. Let's go. That's what she said. Arasha said it's the takeover, so her words, not ours. That's pretty cool. Um, so we want to thank uh, 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 Rasha Bedencourt of the Orlando Phantoms men's pro football team and obviously former D3 champion of the Orlando Anarchy as well for coming on today. Uh, you can catch us pretty much everywhere on Facebook and Twitter. So going forward, just a reminder, going forward, every podcast uh, going forward here, you can submit on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty or on Facebook at Gridiron Beauties under the uh, post for the show. And Troy would be more than happy to answer any, any questions that we have on the air, as well as myself and all the other co-hosts. So just chime in and do that. If you want to help us out, subscribe to our Apple podcast, our TuneIn app as well. You can leave a comment on Apple so we can get a review. Hopefully it's a positive review. Hopefully we've done a good job so far with everybody on the cast. And so you can go to Apple Podcasts as well. You can leave comments here on Block Talk Radio, uh, TuneIn app, and Player FM. Um, so uh, really grateful for all those platforms that gets us out there and gets us uh, our, to listen and, and spoken about women's American football. Um, this whole weekend was disappointing as a Ram fan, but as a football fan, it was kind of a nice defensive game to see. It's kind of a change of pace, but you know, the 13 to three result was obviously a downer. So. Yeah, no one wants to be on that, the losing side of it, but unfortunately there always has to be one one side that has to take that mantle. And I, and I know that the Rams and everyone on that team and that organization, they're going to be thinking about a lot of things. They're going to be thinking about all the plays they could have made and and just, you know, if this would have went that way and this play would have went another way. 
And you know what? The only thing they can do right now is move on. I think the future is bright for the Rams. The future is still bright also for the Patriots. You may see a part three of this thing, you know, uh, coming up. So I, I really think that the, the Rams shouldn't necessarily hold their, you know, they shouldn't, uh, you know, drop their heads on this one. They should just get back to grinding. And, um, you know, I, I think they have the talent to do it. They have the coaching staff to do it. Uh, maybe golf can build on this and, and and all of a sudden he becomes a better player and we'll see if he can turn the corner because of it. But, but I think uh, they're in good hands right now. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them right back in the, in the Super Bowl again next season and, and even possibly winning it because when you get that taste in your mouth, you can't get it out. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they came back in there um, for that Super Bowl uh, next year, but we'll, we'll see. Now, obviously, we're going to be tuning in and we're going to be talking about it and watching what goes on in the NFL season and all these things going to play with it. And so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how all of these NFL teams, this is sort of my favorite part of the year also, is the off season when you have the free agency, you got the draft coming up. This is where all the teams, they reset, everybody's zero and zero. And, and the NFL is a lot of parity. And anybody can make it, but you, you know, and, and I think the Rams have just as good a chance as anyone in the NFL to be a Super Bowl champion next year. All right, we forgot to mention uh, Liga de Football de Pacifico will also kick off in about 112 days, about the same time the Legends Football League kicks off, and that's over in uh, Sinaloa. And we had uh, the owner last year, remember, uh, came in for for that, so. Also kicking off there, the Women's Football League, the WFL, is kicking off. And then the Caribbean uh, the Caribbean League, LFB, is in action. And you can get the updates there on our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties as well. Um, so, Troy, I don't know if it was just me or it was just a, kind of a long week, week, week. But for, for the week itself, it was long because of the Super Bowl thing, but also exciting because – there was a lot of things happening in the women's game that just one after the other, not just the, the promos ads and stuff like that, but a lot of news on both sides, the WFA and the WNFC, a lot of moves happening competition, I guess, to Holly's point is starting to bring these two leagues to elevate the game and get noticed. And, and hopefully that's going to help to be a positive to get awareness out there. Yeah. And this is what everyone always says about competition. It just makes everyone around it better. And anytime you can have, you can have more quality and more, um, you know, more quality play out there, you get parity, and you also get competition that goes across leagues. And I think you have a few flag bearers out there. You got the LFL, who's the more known of the women football leagues, and then you got the WNFC that's coming up right now, and everyone is excited about it. So I think the future bodes well for the for the women's game, and we've seen it grow over the years uh, that we've been covering it. And I think right now is the most exciting time that I've seen for the women's game. So the future is bright for the women's game. And I just think you're also seeing more women out there wanting to play. And you see more quality because the women are getting better training. Um, they're getting more, uh, better coaching. And you, know, you have other – and then you have, uh, like the WNFC, who are starting a league because they've seen that the way other leagues have, have done – and what you want to start to do is draw a profit. And I think they are trying to find a way to navigate through that. And it's going to be exciting to watch the WNFC uh, do that. I have a lot of confidence in them. Um, and I want to see uh, how it all pans out. 
Yeah, it's kind of exciting. Um, I really am just impressed with, um, you know, we knew when we, we've spoken to Jenkins many of times, and I've been trying to get WFA leadership on here to make a Tuesday for us, and they've never come on except for uh, when as part of the committee. But overall, I think, you know, the reality is there that um, the reason we got the best of the West, the reason they exited the IWFL, and now, you know, this is, I can't say, but this is impressive, don't you think, Troy? For Jenkins to, uh, you know, create this this WNFC with uh, a bunch of people behind her and former USA football, you know, uh, players and stuff like that. Uh, you got Jenkins uh, Welter now uh, got her shoe deal, multi-year deal with Adidas for a shoe, which is unheard of. It's never been done before, but she's got obviously star power, and there it is. And so, and then Odessa, obviously, she's always said, "What gonna make it happen, right?" And it's starting to starting to come through. Yeah, OJ OJ is business minded, and that's the one thing that struck me about her. Every time she's every time we've spoken uh, with her, is that she is business minded, she's business focused, and she is the ultimate competitor. And when you put that in there, I can't, I won't bet against her to, to make this happen. And I just really think that, you know, the, that league is in great hands uh, with her uh, really driving the, driving the ship. And she's bought so many great people around her, um, you know, to, 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 you know, contribute on this journey and to play key integral roles in, in, in driving this league. And, and not just this league, but just flying the flag for women's football and so so it's just going to be great, man. I'm, I'm look, I, I, you know, I, I don't know when the next time we're going to get OJ on because I'm dying to know like what's going on, like what, what's going on behind the scenes and how it, how is everything panning out. I'm pretty sure there are some bright spots, and I'm pretty sure there are some rough spots that they have to navigate through. But that's that's just part of the beast. So um, again, I have all the confidence in the world that they get it done, though. Yeah, very impressive uh, leadership team that they have. So. But everything's come to, you know, to the forefront now. Everything's positive. It's kind of moving in the right direction. Uh, They're getting visibility. Uh, They're at the Super Bowl. Uh, You would have never seen, I think, in my time that I've been covering the sport, I think you would have never seen a WFA anything at the Super Bowl. Uh, Besides Kitty Sowers that was at the Super Bowl, everything else in Atlanta was dominated by WNFC. The Welter Camp event. Uh, she was at the inclusion event, uh, uh, Jenkins was. So that right there, Troy, that's big time. When you're already part of like this little circle, that's a big gorilla, that's going to tell a lot about connections. Well, it's just that we, just like we were talking about earlier tonight, she, she's fearless. She's absolutely fearless. And I, I, when you have that, you know, you have that also in your arsenal and in, in your personality trait. I think that just um, you know that 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 that's really one of those things where it's a, it's a key to success is not being afraid uh, to dig in there and she's engaging. You ever speak to OJ? You know she's one of the more engaging people that you'll ever meet. Um, so yeah, again, I have nothing but confidence that they'll succeed in this. Now we got we got with the line right. You she can sell ice cream to an Eskimo. That was the line somebody gave us before. So that's pretty good. For sure. For sure there. All right, um, so guys, check it out, The Hub, at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Go to the Zazzle shop, zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauties. 
for every $25 that we uh, sell at the shop, we get to spotlight another talented athlete. And coming up this month and uh, February, March, April, all through the summer, you're going to get to see some of the athletes that we are bringing on board and helping us out bring awareness to the sport through our No Joke Football brand. So that's going to be starting this uh, this month and next month. Go to the brand site at facebook.com forward slash No Joke Football. And then you can go to the Twitter feed as well at uh, twitter.com forward slash No Joke Football. Check out all the stuff that we got going on there, as well as our Instagram, which is blowing up. And you can always go to Snapchat and ch- chat out there as well with us. So um, one more thing to kind of go through. Burmy, uh, Troy, Burmy is uh, strapped for some cash. And unfortunately, he's been a trooper the last two years, and he's been scrounging and getting his tour ready and going all over the place and everything else. So uh, there was a GoFundMe uh, by one of the La Muerte uh, players. And so uh, it's a GoFundMe account. You can go to the hub at facebook.com for slash Grand Beauties and get the link there. So Burmy needs some help, Troy. I don't know if you got a dollar to donate, but uh, or more, but he needs to get the Burmy tour up and running before April. So uh, if anybody is uh, listening to us, of course, everybody's listening. And so you can go to the Facebook page on our site and you can get the link there to the GoFundMe cart account. And so you can donate a dollar, $5, whatever you want to donate to the Burmy USA tour. Uh, the Burmy world tour is what they named it. So, um, Troy, there it is. Uh, Burmy trying to get to uh, the Burmy tour for Hashtag super fan. That's all I can put you down. Hashtag super fan. So Burmese it. Uh, so go Got to the hashtag. Facebook page, Great Iron Beauties, and there's a link to the GoFundMe. Uh, donate a dollar. I know you, everybody's got a dollar. There's no need uh, to donate more than a dollar. Uh, we have, uh, Troy, how much do we have? We have like 6,500 fans, right? So if you donate, everybody donates at least a dollar to Burmese, his, his, his tour is going to be huge. It's going to be better than the Maroon 5. Uh, event at the Super Bowl. I love it. I love it. Let's make it happen. All right. So, uh, guys, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we want to say thank you and for uh, Russia uh, uh, Betancourt coming up uh, for the Atlanta fan, uh, Orlando Phantoms and former uh, the uh, Orlando Anarchy uh, superstar and all-star. And so we uh, thank her for coming on today and talking about her journey, her pioneer stage, and where she's at now. And so uh, for Troy Wilson, uh, the absent Holly Custis, Louise Bean, and Mackenzie Brooks, Oscar Lopez saying we'll catch you here next week right here on the Gridiron Beauties Blitz on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and as well as Player FM. Have a great night, everybody.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.